Hey there, welcome to the Student to CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Mason. We're talking to entrepreneurs who launched their business at a young age, and they're now killing the game. Tune in to our episodes as these guests spill the dirt on taking that leap into entrepreneurship just like they did. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode of the Student to CEO Podcast. I'm thrilled to have Stephen Wilcox joining us today. Stephen is a graduate of Chapman University in Orange County, California. After school, he began working with global action sports brands such as Oakley, Quicksilver, DC Shoes, and Roxy, where he developed a fundamental understanding of brand building and the strategies required to authentically reach a brand's audience. Today, Stephen is the founder and CEO of Parkit an outdoor brand that wants you to get outside and enjoy the exploration. Steven, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. We're excited to be here. Likewise, I'd love if you could start off by sharing with our listeners what you do and what led you there. Yeah, so um, you know, as you, as you mentioned in the little intro there, I'm the CEO and founder of Parkit. Um, Parkit is a new outdoor brand uh, that we launched on Kickstarter this spring. And our very first product is called the Voyager. It's a modern interpretation of the classic outdoor recreational use chair. So beach chairs, camping chairs, um, lawn chairs. If you're going to your kid's soccer game and you want a comfy chair with all the amenities that you need, uh, we built that. And uh, we're really, you know, uh, we're really all about enjoying quality time outdoors with the people that mean the most to us. That's, you know, kind of the core of our mission statement. And that can be, you know, at any of the places that I just described. And we're really excited to see what happens next for this brand. Our Kickstarter campaign was hugely successful. We raised just under $500,000 in crowdfunding and that's really paving the way for a strong 2021, uh, more formal coming out party, if the, so to say. So exciting. And what made you want to lead down this path with Parkit and want to start a company like this? Yeah, so um, that's a great question. You know, what, what was it that like initially inspired me to to start my own company. Um, you know, this, there's a lot of elements that I think everyone has their own unique experiences, you know, like everyone's story is a little bit different. And, and mine came from kind of understanding that the, the roles that I had within those organizations like Oakley and Quicksilver um, were awesome. They were incredible jobs. I worked with incredible people. I was doing just the most insane projects. Like there was a project at Oakley where the goal was literally to run over sunglasses with the tank that they have in the parking lot and record it and talk about like the durability and industrialness of these sunglasses, like crazy fun things. Right. Um, but I always knew that in order for me to achieve, you know, kind of what I wanted for my own life, um, I'd have to go out there and take those steps into entrepreneurship and take that risk and start my own thing. And uh, like, I always knew that it would fit into the outdoor space and, you know, eventually reach the point where I recognized you have the skills, you've learned what you need to learn to bring a company to market from a marketing and sales standpoint. Um, just now it's time for you to take that leap and go do it. And uh, we decided to, to build the brand around what we love to do the most, which is surf and go camping and go snowboarding. And, you know, my, my girlfriend and I, we own a Ford Transit van that we're currently renovating into a good old classic camper van and um, build a brand that allowed us to not only live the life that we love to live, um, but allowed us to you know, continue growing in the path in which we wanted to grow. And that's what we were able to do with Parkit and what we plan to do. 
That's so amazing. And so with Park It, what has that growth process or stage been like for you in terms of just thinking of this idea to launching it to then really ending up taking it to the next level? Yeah. So great question. Again, um, the number one thing that I think I underestimated because being in, being in sales and marketing with these companies, um, you know, to get started without a school, you really take for granted the product development team. Um, you just are like, oh, cool. These are the, these are the new wetsuits that we're going to market this year. These look awesome. Let's look, what, what, what fun things can we do with these wetsuits to create content and get this shared with our consumers and share the, the product differentiators and what makes them better, right? Like we're hyper-focused in that world. And when I thought to myself, oh my God, we can build a better outdoor chair. And you know, the, like the story in that is we're sitting around a campfire with some friends a few years back. And I'll never forget, my buddy sits down in his and the bottom just ripped out and they had to spend the rest of the night sitting on the ground of the, <laughs> sitting on the ground with the backrest in the dirt. And I'm like, the light bulb went off. I'm like, we could make a better one. And I realized I saw the vision of like how we could market it, what the brand would stand for, how we could like what differentiators we would put into the product, which we can get into later. Um, but, you know, like I saw the, the whole vision of what we wanted to do. And that was in 2000 and that was in late 2016, early 2017. And I spent like the first two years really just like knocking doors of different metal shops and wood shops. And uh, I even went to like a, a boat, a boat yard where you, like the boat railing that they have on a lot of yachts is very similar to the, the tubing that you would want in an outdoor chair. And I just remember asking them, being like, do you guys know how to make this? And I had, I had brought along like a competitor's product and was like, is this something you guys would do? And they're like, nope. And the amount of times that I just was like, no, we don't do this. No, we don't do this. No, we don't do this. I was like, this thing's never going to get built. Like, mm -hmm. we just like have this idea. It's going to be great. We know the brand. We're already building the brand and like the values of it on social media and people are gravitating towards it. Like, but we don't have this product. And um, that was easily the, the biggest challenge for me was reg registering that, um, you know, we really had it in the kind of the, the coasting. We had it in cruise control at these companies that I worked with, with the new product just being delivered to us constantly. And uh, it, finally, we ended up getting connected with a company in Utah called Klugonics. And they're a product design firm um, that actually an old employee or co coworker of mine um, at Oakley recommended us to. And they just took us from like, this is your idea. Perfect. Like we know exactly what you want to do. And within six months, we had a working prototype. Um, we launched on Kickstarter and now they're connecting us with all of our factories overseas and are helping us find the, you know, the uh, source, the right factories to, to build our product to the specs and standards that we want. And they've just been absolutely amazing. But, you know, in terms of that challenge, like number one was getting the product designed and developed to, to you know, present it to the marketplace. So. Absolutely. And I always find it so fascinating to speak with people who have a product-based company because me coming from service base, I mean, they're, they're completely different things. And so there's so many different processes that go into it, especially with, as you mentioned, just being able to actually build that prototype and have something physically in your hands to show. Yeah. And, and you know, the thing that's amazing about our prototype, and this is one of the things that we're really proud of because it shows how how great our team has been at marketing and how great the Klugonics group has been at helping us design this beautiful outdoor chair. Um, we've done all of our sales off of, you know, just one prototype. Um, and we've taken that thing all over the country. It's flown back and forth to Asia three times. And the thing is still standing. It's still durable. You can still sit in it around the fire. 
um, we're still, we're, we're bringing it up to, we do a Canadian Thanksgiving with my mom's side of the family and we're taking that thing to Washington to, to kick it on the patio and take some photos and enjoy our time there on the water on the sound. And there's just a lot of challenges that come with, with designing and building a product that I, like you said, in the service industry, people don't necessarily have to deal with. Like we're dealing mm-hmm. with logistics, we're dealing with international shipping. We're trying to figure out what's the best way to package our products so that way it's safe in transit from the factory all the way to our warehouse here in Southern California, and then onto the FedEx truck and ship to the customer's home. Like we're, we're, we're taking into account all of those aspects and all of those aspects come with an additional cost that you have to be efficient about. Are you getting the best value for the, for the, for the dollars that you're investing into this? And is that going to result in a positive customer experience? If you're not thinking about the customer experience at the very end result, then you may be going about it the wrong way. And uh, it's just something that in a product space, there's a lot of little things that you have to cross the T on and dot the I on that in the service space, um, you know, that has its own challenges as well. I, I do some brand consulting still so that I, I know a bit about the service side, but it's just, a, it's a different, it's a completely different animal in a different ball game. That's for sure. Absolutely. And I know you mentioned too, that you had the Kickstarter that you created for Park It. So was that kind of like your whole idea of sell it before launching it that people are constantly talking about where you come up with an idea of a product and then seeing if people are interested in it before actually moving forward with it? Yes, 100%. So for anybody, you know, that's listening to this podcast and is like, I want to build a product. um, Kickstarter is going to be your absolute best friend. And when I say best friend, um, it's the best friend that's going to tell you, dude, this is amazing. You should pursue this, like go after it. Like that's going to be incredible. It's also going to be your friend that says, maybe you should go back to the drawing board and go back because what the Kickstarter audience and the, the platform itself helps to serve is product validation. And in, in a sense, um, you know, back in the day before Kickstarter and even, you know, before the internet, if you had the idea for a product, um, you had to go get it designed, you had to go get the molds built, you had to find an investor, that investor was going to fund the capital that you needed to, to get the product, you know, fully designed and get it, you know, potentially that first purchase order, which means you as the entrepreneur are likely going to hand off a large chunk of ownership of the business to that investor who's helping you facilitate everything, right? Well, Kickstarter eliminates that process completely. And what you're able to do is take the design and you can get basically to prototype stage like we did. And you can present the concept to Kickstarter and they know that they're gonna buy this product with like a third, like a, sometimes it's, it's two months, sometimes it's an entire year. They know that they're, they're investing in the idea and that they're receiving the product at a discounted price for investing in the idea. And they, they're totally willing to wait and get that product, you know, that you're, you're, you're aiming to build down the line. And because of that, you're able to really with a very limited risk, go into Kickstarter and say, this is my idea. This is our product. Do you want to back this? Um, by backing today, you know, you'll be one of the first to access our product and you're going to access it at 20, 30, whatever the discount is that you want to give them for being one of those first movers and helping you get that capital to get the business started. And if they love it, your campaign will go through the roof. If they don't, you might struggle a little bit. And that is one of the things that I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, it's going to, it's, it's hard. Like this is, this market isn't my first, first business. There's a couple that I completely failed with. A buddy of mine tried to launch a fitness company, completely failed. Um, We had a couple ideas for just some like, you know, selling stands at, at concert venues and just couldn't find the right connections to get into it. And it just fell flat on our face as well. And so, 
the way that Kickstarter came about for us was just like, oh my God, we've got something here that the community really supported and really got behind. Let's like, let's really invest all of our time and energy into this and grow it. And I think that's one of the things that, um, you know, just from a entrepreneurial standpoint, there's nothing better than knowing that you're able to do that for as minimal risk as possible and then go take that leap. Absolutely. It's such a great way to just be able to garner all this interest in potential customers and things like that to be able to build that up before your product actually launches and comes to space. Yeah, exactly. And like, like another thing that that's really interesting about Kickstarter is that they're, they're some of the most supportive customers I think that I've ever come across of any of the brands that I've ever consulted for. Um, like we constantly get direct messages from people being like, Hey, we had this idea for this. Um, what's the idea of adding this? And it's like a lot of those things you're like, Oh my God, this is such a great idea, but you have to kind of stay focused and be like, the goal is to get this product built. The goal is to get this product built. And you know, once the product's built, you can, you can take the ideas that this community is giving you and you can start to implement them and you can start to test them and you can add different features and whatnot. But you know, it's been really cool to see how this audience has stayed engaged with us um, throughout the course of our production process. Uh, they email us questions all the time. It's become a really incredible community um, to really, you know, get that motivation behind you every day. That's like these people are excited about your brand. They're excited about your product. Let's go out there and, and bring it to them every day the best that we can because they're, you know, invested in it with you. And it's been awesome. Love it. On the opposite end of the challenging part of starting your business, which you had mentioned was just actually getting the prototype in your hand. What was the most rewarding? Oh, the most rewarding was easily the Kickstarter. Um, like you go, you know, from the, from the initial idea in late 2016, early 2017, uh, to go two and a half years, um, trying to figure out product development and finally getting the product development pages go. Like, I don't want to discredit um, sitting in the prototype for the first time and going, oh my God, we like, we've got it. Like, this is, this is, this is comfortable. It's durable. It feels great to sit in. It feels great. Just like, it just, it's an overall, like just enhanced experience in comparison to what exists on the market now. And that was hugely rewarding. The next challenge was how do we convey all of this digitally? You know, it's, it's very much a product that, you, you want to sit in most of the time. It's, it's like driving a car. You want to get behind the wheel and you want to see how the turning radius feels. You want to sit in one of these and understand, hey, how does this feel when I, uh, on my back? How does this support, you know, uh, if, you're, if you're like of older age, how does this get in and out of? I know there's a lot of beach chairs on the market, you know, that sit like two inches off the sand. Well, if you're 65 to 80 years old and, and you're, you know, you, you, you've got some physical ailments, it's hard to get in and out of those. Mm. Um, and, and so we put a lot of that into it and to, to sit in it for the first time was hugely rewarding. But then presenting that on Kickstarter and you know putting that whole idea forth of not just the product, but what the brand stands for and, and seeing that community just like come together and in support of that mission. Um, like the very first day we did $75,000 in sales. And I don't, we, we initially had anticipated doing maybe 120,000 to 150,000 for the whole duration of the campaign. Um, like that just absolutely blew us away. And we ended up topping out on our Kickstarter campaign at about 479,000. And then we transferred to Indiegogo and did another 25. So, you know, total capped out crowdfunding, just over 500,000. We, we were just absolutely blown away by the response. And that was a hands down, I think the best feeling in terms of everything we've gone through so far is knowing that people believe in our mission and our product and our idea. 
Which is incredible. And as you've seen throughout these past few years, that building a community about the business that you are creating is huge and does so much for your growth and success. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like there's, there's an element to today's world that I think is so, so different. And, um, you know, there's, there's a, it goes along the lines of, of just the change that's occurred within within the thanks to the internet, thanks to digital marketing, uh, thanks to content creators. Um, you know, one of the things that I think of all the time is this saying that's like behind every, behind every millionaire baby boomer is a millennial who knows how to open a PDF. And in the <laughs> sense, in the sense of, you know, like digital marketing behind every like, like great brand that exists today is a handful of like young entrepreneurial focused, like, you know, 20 somethings to 30 somethings that get how the digital marketplace works in a way that never existed honestly, before probably the year 2000 and 2009. I remember going into marketing classes in college and they were like the four piece of marketing, price, product, promotion, and place. And they're talking about like where your product needs to be on the shelf uh, in the grocery store down the street, right? You need to be at eye level, eye or, level, this level yep. or this level. <laughs> and they go through all of that. And it's like, that's stuff. I don't want to say that that's irrelevant today because it's, it's still completely relevant. Um, but there's an element now to marketing and business that like the social aspect of a brand is, is, is completely changed. Like Nike used to look at us with a billboard and said, Hey guys, drive by the freeway and see this big sign that just says, just do it. And you've got like, um, you got like, like Michael Vick, or I don't know if it's good to reference Michael Vick, but you've got somebody along those lines, you know, on the, on this giant billboard and there, and you're like, yeah, I associate to that. Well, now it's the other way around where you take a brand like Yeti, right? And everyone's buying a Yeti cooler because they're in this position where they're like, oh, wow, like I go fishing, I go hunting, I do these things. And they share that with the community. And then, you know, the brands are taking that information and that content and they're servicing that as their marketing material. It's becoming normal people who also believe in like the same values of the brand, promoting those brands in, an, in a way that's just never really been done before. And I think it's exciting to see. Absolutely. And Stephen, outside of the Kickstarter, what do you think led to your success with Parkit? Oh, outside of the Kickstarter? Um, well, a lot goes into the Kickstarter. Um, and I think, you know, for anyone who, who's listening to this and wants to build a product and, you know, is really thinking about going the Kickstarter route, you can't just show up to Kickstarter and say, hey, guys, uh, here's some cool photos and uh, like, here's a discount. Um, what do you think of our product? You know, you can't really just jump into it like the next day and do that. Like there is months of planning that goes into it. There is, you know, everything from the, from your video and like the, the brand that you want to protrude um, and like the passion you want to have, like Kickstarter audiences, they love a project with heart and they love a project with passion. Um, and they, they want to know that this is a, a product that has a mission. They're not there for the products that are there to make a quick buck. Um, and I've seen that firsthand. I've, I've worked on, I've like, I still work as a consultant, like I mentioned, and a couple of the people that I've worked with, um, we've launched Kickstarter campaigns and I've gotten into the project and I'm like, you guys, you guys don't have a brand message. You don't have mm -hmm. a, a, like a mission. You guys are literally just turning this really quickly because you think you can make a quick buck on Kickstarter. And I don't like, like, it's hard to have that conversation. And then, you know, they like you, you launch the campaign and the campaign's not successful. And it's like, well, that's because you didn't build a community first. You didn't lay out what your mission was. You didn't lay out 
like what your brand stands for. What does your business mean? You know? Um, yeah. At the end of the day, like the bottom line, you want to be profitable, but like, there's so much more to that today than I think, than I think people, a lot of people like think what's the right word. There's so, there's just so much more of that today. Like, like Tom's shoes really changed the game. Um, right. the whole buy, buy a pair of shoes and you give a pair of shoes to someone like knowing that a company can be, be socially responsible and have that mission tied to them. Uh, it, it goes a long way in launching a business, um, because they want to know that you have a soul and you're not there to make a quick buck. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we did with park at first was we really focused on, on, you know, we're about spending time outdoors with the people you love the most. Our chairs, yes. they sit around the fire, they facilitate that story. Um, you know, how many great stories, I, I think of the stories that my uncle likes to tell when we're sitting around a campfire about his fishing trip. And I'm, I swear every year the, the fish gets 15 to 20 pounds heavier. But, you know, like those are the moments that you'll remember later on in life, uh, you know, when, and that's, that's what we wanted to to express to our audience and share that with our community is like, that's what we stand for is those moments with those people with sharing those stories that make us who we are. And if you don't have a mission along those lines and a soul, I just don't, I don't think people would be successful, especially in today's marketplace. Especially because too, like one thing that a lot of people take take notice of, which I mean, people have said to me too, and it really kind of drives it home is that people notice the excitement that you have about your business, the service you offer, the product you sell, like they really take notice of that. And if you're excited about what you're selling and you feel really passionate about it, so do they. And so having mm -hmm. that and showing it everywhere is so important. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one of the biggest challenges for us right now is like, you know, we had a lot of friends that backed our Kickstarter campaign and we're, we're super thankful for them. Um, and like, we'll go camping with them and, and we're still waiting for product to arrive. You know, like we're in the production, we started production, we're slated to have delivery here, um, in like early January and we'll be shipping out to all of our Kickstarter backers. But the amount of times that we've shown up to something now and our friends are looking at us and like, it'd be nice if I had a chair with a cooler underneath it that can hold all my beers. I'm like, you're right. <laughs> you're right. That, that would be great. Uh, we're working on it. Thank you. I'm so glad that you're excited about it. And it's like it's like the excitement levels around just getting that product built and getting it over here. Uh, like it, it, it's super motivating to know that people are, are hitting us up. You know, like I mentioned about like, when's it going to get here? Here's some ideas we have. And then when you see your friends and they're like sitting there literally on the dirt, just being like, well, I'd go get a chair, but I'm waiting on mine to get here from my Kickstarter campaign. You're like, <laughs> good. Like, I'm glad you're waiting because you're going to be super excited when you get it. Cause you know, it, we put a lot of heart and passion into not only the, the brand, but the design of the product and, and building something that's visually appealing, incredibly comfortable, and just has the functionality that I think is lacking from a lot of those outdoor chairs. And, you know, it just, you, you said it perfectly. People know the excitement when they feel it and they know that it's authentic and that's super important. 100%. Throughout your journey of owning Parkit, if there was one thing you wish you did differently or one thing you know now that you wish you knew then, what would it be? Oh, God, that's a great question. There's so many things. To narrow it down to one, um, one thing that I wish we knew then. I mean, it's easy to say I wish that I knew that I needed to figure out a product development firm faster. Um, but the way that I look at that is that that was the time that I needed to recognize that I needed to fully commit to really investing in this because product development firms aren't cheap. Um, you know, like it, I was trying to go the I guess like the, 
what's the way uh, i don't know the right word but i was trying to go basically like the the cheapest way possible and getting the design built and that just wasted like a lot of time basically yeah i was going very grassroots and very like all right who in our network is like a product designer all right do you want to help with this and it's like kind of like mm. it, it, it's like i think that would be honestly if i had to narrow it down to the biggest thing and now that i'm recognizing that i've talked about product development as kind of the main piece if you know that this is the idea that you want to do and you know that you have a good idea and you have the the ability to to make that first investment with the right people you'll save yourself a ton of time. I think that's really the, the biggest takeaway. Like, I would love to, have, if, if I had done that out the gates, we'd already be a traditional e-commerce brand and we would have launched on Kickstarter probably in 2018 and not 2020. Mm. Um, you know, I think that's, a, that's an aspect of it that I wish I had, I had understood earlier was if this is what you want to pursue, like fully um, make that investment with the right people initially versus trying to kind of go the, alternative route and save a few bucks here and there and and knock on the doors of people who you think might help you go straight to the people who are literally marketing we are here to help you um <laughs> and talk to them talk to them even though it's a more expensive conversation you know like like to get up to get the prototype built just to give the users some idea that one prototype cost us just under six thousand and that doesn't include the time that was spent in ideation that doesn't include the time that was spent in design for manufacturing um, that doesn't include the additional hours and the meetings and the, the flights that we had to do back and forth and the, the, to, to meet with the, the team in Utah and go over different aspects of it. Um, but that investment is why we have the product that we have versus having something that's, you know, not what we wanted. So. I hope that I realize that was a bit of a roundabout, but I hope that makes sense to everybody. No, it makes total sense. Basically, the idea is to not be afraid to invest in yourself as you're just starting out. Because what I think what you mentioned too, with like the whole time aspect, that comes into play a lot. Like I remember when I had just started my business, the very first thing that I outsourced was my website design and development because I'm like, I could spend hours watching YouTube and learning how to do it myself. But then I realized all of these hours that I'd be spending learning how to design my website and then actually going ahead and designing it is just going to be a waste of time because I could have spent those hours on doing revenue generating activities. And so it's like, you really mm -hmm. kind of need to have that perspective. And what I always say, one of my favorite, favorite sayings is in order to make more money, you have to spend money. And so it's a really hard lesson for people to wrap their heads around at first. But once you kind of get comfortable with the uncomfortable of spending money, you're like, this is why I do it. Because every time I make a good investment, it comes back tenfold. Yep. And, and you know, you, you, you summarize that perfectly. That, I couldn't have said it better myself. And I think like one of the biggest challenges for me was like you said, like, like spending money to make money. Like when you're looking at your ad account every day and you're like, Ooh, okay, what's the ad account doing today? Like how's Facebook performing? How's Google performing? And you're like, Oh, we just spent like $3,000 today and we didn't get any return. Like, damn it. But then a week later you're like, Oh, whoa, we just had a day of like 8,000 in sales. Like what the heck just happened? Like, and you know, it's like, <laughs> exactly. like those, th like, like one day you doubt it, the next day you absolutely love it again. The next day you doubt it, the next day you love it again. It's like this like give and take where you're like, oh, but that money could have been used here instead. But then you recognize that the whole, the whole thing is a process and you have yes. to fall in love with the process and you have to trust the process. And like, you know, going in the Kickstarter, we're like, okay, what are we going to spend on ads on Kickstarter? Well, we've got a budget for the first day of like 6,000 that we could spend. Okay, well, let's send that if it's positive. 
let's keep reinvesting. If it's not like we're going to pump the brakes, we're going to pull back really fast. Um, and like, let's, you know, go back to the drawing board. And, you know, fortunately for us, it worked and we saw incredibly positive results on day one. And so we just kept feeding more and more into it. Um, but I've always been like a very like budgeted and regimented person in my personal life. Like I know, like when I wake up in the morning and I check my personal checking account, if there's like anything there that's not supposed to be there, I'm like, hmm, what is that? I'm like, you know, I'm very on top of it. And the thing mm -hmm. about that is like, like while you're spending these money in these certain places in entrepreneurship, like you don't really have the bandwidth to like, to look at all of it every day and like, no, oh, this has happened here because of this, this happened here because of this, this happened here because of this. Like, like there's a lot of things that you're juggling, like, and, and that's one of the things that I've had to learn is, okay, trust this process, put the right people in place to do this. They have these budgets set across. How is that performing? Give me back the reports. We make adjustments, right? Um, meanwhile, I'm able to focus on making sure that the logistics for the product are like everything in terms of product design and product development is going smoothly. And I'm also able to help on the marketing front in terms of content creation, what stories we're going to share and like what's coming up next for the website and the blog. Like that's where my two wheelhouses are is the logistics side and the marketing side. Mm -hmm. And we've brought on a team to help with the digital ads. And that part, I'm still getting used to like the uncomfortable waters of, okay, we're spending money, but it's bringing in revenue, but we're spending money and we're bringing <laughs> revenue. Yeah. And, and it's, 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 uh, it's a cycle that, like you said, it just takes time to get comfortable with. Totally. Why do you think it's so important for individuals to start a business at a young age? Oh my God, the amount of things that you will learn um, that you will not learn in a formal W-2 job. Um, I, that's, that's part of the reason why I left um, the action sports industry uh, from the position of, a, of an employee and re-entered it you know, as a business owner is that as an employee, I recognized that my growth potential was somewhat limited. Um, you know, like if, uh, I, I, I don't, I mean, this may be this this may connect with some of the the listeners in the sense that if you get hired at a company to be a graphic designer right um but you want to go and be a video producer like you your your end goal is to be the guy who makes the videos and you want to storyboard the videos and you want to lead the the film trips and the studio set days right but they, you've been hired as a graphic designer there's a good chance that you really only move from like junior graphic designer to senior graphic designer to like vice president of design and they don't let you ever like cross pollinate into that other uh, other aspect of the of the business that you really are passionate about like that's why you you applied in the first place was you wanted to make those videos and you thought you could position over right mm -hmm. it just gets harder to do that and as an entrepreneur um, you get to take that passion for what it is that you want to do directly and go and do it and you will 100% stumble um, but you will learn from everything. Like, and one of the things that I think was really beneficial for me was when I left the action sports industry, um, I had some great experience with how brands need to connect with their audience and what was changing within the new shape of the marketplace, thanks to Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, all those things. And we got into, you know, uh, I, I got my hands into a bunch of small brands that needed help growing their digital presence. And they were going through the pivot as well, except, you know, they're doing somewhere between 500,000 and 2 million a year in revenue instead of these big Oakley, you know, Oakley's doing hundreds of millions of dollars a year in revenue, same Quicksilver. Um, but we had to find efficient ways to grow the business online. And the opportunity to look at under the hood of all those different brands as a consultant 
showed me really quickly like, all right, cool. This brand's doing this piece really well. Let's take notes from that and how you can apply that to your business. Oh, this brand's got their logistics and their product design like funnels really well figured out, but they don't have the marketing side. So let's, let's take what we can learn from them. And working on my own and doing it at such an early age and becoming that consultant and seeing all those different brands just exposes you to, you know, uh, exponentially more circumstances that you're going to come across as an entrepreneur um, that now you have some sort of reference to go, this is how they handled this. And this was successful. This is how they handled this. And this is how they failed. We should circumvent that alternative and go with a different solution, you know? And that's, I think one of the things that, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs who get out of their corporate job at 45 or, and start their first business, then um, they may not know any of those answers yet. And so by doing it at an early age, doing it in your twenties, um, you're just setting yourself up to have that wisdom and that experience to, to, to be more successful down the, down the road. Absolutely. And what you're basically saying, I think, kind of ties in with what a few other podcast guests have said. And it's that when you're younger, you tend to have a sense of ignorance. And ignorance isn't meant in a negative way here. It's just meant as in because you're not jaded by the corporate world and everything else like that, you kind of go in blind to what you're doing and then therefore able to create something amazing because of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And like, I think, I think one of the things about it too is you go into like I, the amount of times that I've worked with kids who are straight out of college, right? And they've been getting taught like, this is the textbook way to do things. And they come in and they're like, well, you're not doing it the textbook way. And you're like, I, yeah, I know that. But like, this, is, this, isn't, this isn't the book. This isn't the presentation from your professor. This is, this is people's jobs. This is people's income. This is the food that people put on the table. And when you jump into entrepreneurship and you jump into consulting and you're working with these small brands, you understand how the smallest positive impact plays a huge role in someone else's life. Um, and you realize that it's not like, oh, when you're in some of those bigger corporate settings, right? And your inbox fills up for the day and you're like, oh, I'll get to that tomorrow. Like, like that's not a thing in entrepreneurship. Like you have to get to that today. You have to catch that before it hits the ground because no one else is gonna catch it. And when you, when you transition from that student mindset of, oh, this is what the textbook says to do, um, and then next into that, that corporate mindset where you go, oh, we've got a team here and we can move things along as we see fit and things are moving and we're, we're growing. So it's good to entrepreneurship where it's like, we got to get this done today. We got to get this thing out tomorrow. Um, it just changes your mindset into what you're capable of doing and just kind of makes you more of a go-getter. Like I, I think of uh, like the Michael Jordan mindset of just absolute focus and determination and what he did um, with the Chicago Bulls and, and was super inspiring as a young kid for me. And like entrepreneurship is that, like, that's what you're doing. And it doesn't come with the glitz and glam of being a professional NBA player, but um, it is like every day showing up, working your hardest and doing your best because the impact that you're making is so much greater. Um, like both, both for you in terms of like what it can provide for you and what it provides for others. 100%. Stephen, you have shared such great pieces of, of advice throughout this episode, but now I'd like to ask you that if there was one last piece of advice you'd like to leave with our listeners for someone who may just be starting out, what would it be? A little bit over time adds up to a lot. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it, entrepreneurship is a domino effect and you, the, the earlier you start, the better. Um, and if that means, you know, if that means you're 22 and you're in college and you've got an idea for a business and you don't really know how to do any of those things yet, spend two hours a day working on it, you know, like, and, and you may spend two hours a day working on something that's completely irrelevant to it now, 
but will be completely relevant to it in two years, in four years, in five years. Um, and that little bit of experience and that little bit of time that you put into it every single day will add up to a lot. You know, like it took us mm. three years to get to our, to get, to get to our prototype. Um, by the time we have the product land at people's, people's houses and they can start using it, it will have been four years from the, the moment the idea was created. Um, but that little bit over time and the persistence of always like staying disciplined to like, all right, we're going to put two hours today. We're going to put three hours to next day. We're going to put two hours over the weekend. We're going to put this time in here, um, in conjunction with your full-time job. Like that's, that's where things, you know, I call it the snowball effect. It'll just going to continue growing. It's going to keep, keep getting better. You're going to get those things off your list. And that little bit over time is going to end up into hopefully your, your baby and you love the company and people love it too. 100%. Steven, this has been such an awesome episode with so many valuable pieces of advice that I know our listeners will truly enjoy hearing and implementing. And now I'd love to have you share where they can find you online in case you'd like to connect with you further. Yeah. So if you want to connect with us online, um, you can just go over to parkitmovement.com. We have a contact page there. Fill out the form, shoot over shoot over any questions you have. We're happy to help. Um, I manage those incoming emails directly still. So I am, uh, I like, that's the other aspect, you know, you'll wear you, as an entrepreneur, you'll wear a thousand hats right now. I wear, you know, product development, <laughs> marketing and customer service. So, uh, feel free to, you know, reach out, ask any questions. Um, we're here to kind of, you know, bring other entrepreneurs along in their journey as well. And also, if you know, go ahead and check out the product. We, if you're an outdoor adventure hound like I am, and you like camping, snowboarding, tailgating, all that good stuff, um, our product is perfect for you, and I think you guys will like it. Awesome, and I'll make sure to leave a link in the show notes for people to check it out. But Stephen, thank you so much again for coming on the show. Yep, no, thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening today. I'd love it if you could subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with those who could use it most. For show notes and more information, go to studenttoceo.com forward slash podcast.